I tell you, if you're interested in rugby, what a win we had today. It was awesome. And uh, I don't know if you saw the match, but Paddy Jackson's try at, right at the end was just fantastic. Almost up to Portadown College standards. What do you think? Um, but as... Uh, hi, are we are here? Oh, that's great. Um, as you know, rugby isn't the only popular sport in Northern Ireland. Uh, how many have been, as a matter of interest, to the Northwest 200? Oh, one or two or six, five or six. Okay, great. Well, it is an amazing event with some of the best of the motorcyclists from around the world. Just watch this amazing conclusion to a motorcycle race. Now, it's not the Northwest 200, but um, just watch and see. actually how he finished. Imagine finishing on your knees for the last part of the race, but clearly he was determined to finish. How he did it, I do not know, because as you saw at the beginning, he very nearly came flying off it. Now, I want you to bear that in mind as we go through tonight, uh, an evening which I have called your KGF evening, because uh, what we're looking at are three of the flavors of the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I'm calling it KGF because the three flavors we're looking at tonight are kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Um, Galatians chapter 5 is probably one of the most famous chapters in the whole Bible. And the fruit of the Spirit is massively, massively important. I don't know if any of you have worked in a fruit and vegetable store here in Portadown or wherever, but I can tell you there is no fruit in the world compared to the fruit of the Spirit. And just contrast some of the qualities that you see in the fruit of the Spirit um, compared to some of those ugly things that we saw listed in the verses before it. Like, compare love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, with fits of rage, witchcraft, discord, jealousy, anger, and so on. There's no comparison between the two. Who would you like to hang out with? Fellas and girls who are just flying off the handle all the time, who tear you apart, who criticize you constantly, and if they're not criticizing you, they're criticizing others. Or would you rather hang out with folks who are actually good to be with? They make you feel a bit special. They're great fun to be with. People maybe in whom we see something of the fruit of the Spirit. Think, for example, of kindness. When we're thinking of kindness, I wonder who is the kindest person you have ever met in your life? Don't answer this out loud. I mean, I'm sure some of you are thinking, well, the kindest person I've ever met in my life is myself. But apart from you, who else have you met who is the kindest person who really made an impact on you? And what was it made the impact? Was it actually that they thought about you when somebody else didn't? 
was it that they seemed to sense you were really struggling at that time and they just kind of put their arm around you and gave you support when a lot of your other friends didn't and you just thought crumbs they are just they have been so kind to me and um, my dad died when I was eight years old and I remember one of the ministers in the church that I was in in Hollywood um, when I started playing rugby at the age of 12 11 12 he used to come and watch me play in the under 12s and under 13s can I tell you, see when I saw him standing on the touchline, he has no idea what his kindness meant to me because I hadn't a dad to come and shout on the touchline. But he did, the assistant in the church. I will never forget his acts of kindness. They made a huge impact on me. And you know what's more? It made me listen more carefully to what he said on a Sunday too because I saw what a kind person he was, somebody marked by kindness. Kindness is one of the flavors of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if you ever heard this, this lovely phrase, random acts of kindness. I actually believe passionately what it says there. I really believe that the world can be changed by random acts of kindness. I am utterly convinced of that. The history of this whole world has been changed by an act of kindness. It wasn't a random one, actually. It was a planned one. And that act of kindness is what you and I call the cross of Christ. The greatest demonstration of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, grace, love, compassion that the world has ever seen and the course of history has been changed by that. Isn't it interesting that even our calendars are defined by it? We talk about the years BC and the years AD, BC before Christ. Christ is the turning point of history. And that incredible, indescribable act of kindness that we see in the cross of Jesus has changed the world. And I really believe these words of Mark Twain too. They're absolutely right, and you can see them, sorry, down this side. Kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. So I ask you again, who's the kindest person you've ever met apart from Jesus? And what is it has really impacted you about them? Was it words that they spoke? Was it something they did? Was it some thoughtfulness? that they expressed. And I wonder when people look at your life and when they look at mine, do they see people who engage in acts of kindness, acts of goodness? Because actually there's quite a thin line between kindness and goodness. If you think about Jesus, his life was marked by kindness and goodness. What was one of the things that was said about him by way of criticism? I wonder, do you have any nicknames or do people call you names at all at school? I've had a nickname for years. You've already heard it tonight, Fanta. Comes from an elephant, nothing to do with the drink. And it's because when I was 10, 11 years old, I was really fat and my nickname was Fatty Clark. That's what everybody called me in Hollywood where I grew up. 
And then this elephant appeared in cartoons and TV, and the elephant was called Fanta, and people thought, well, Fatty Clark and Fanta the elephant are the same size, the same shape, the same weight, the same dimensions. I didn't have the ivory tusks like the ones burned in Kenya today, but I was the shape of an elephant, so they called me Fanta after the elephant. Wasn't really an act of kindness, was it? But you see, the elephant reminded them, <laughs> or maybe I reminded them of the elephant, or the elephant reminded them of me, and they saw something different. And so I earned that nickname. Often a nickname will tell you something about the person. Smarty, what does that tell you about the person? See, stupid or intelligent? You've got it. You know, often the nickname tells you something. It's interesting, the first disciples were called Christians in Antioch. Why? Christians, because they spoke about Christ. They lived for Christ. They sang hymns about Christ. They healed in the name of Christ. They prayed in the name of Christ. Their lives were totally Christ-centered, so they got the nickname Christians. People saw in them acts of kindness. What about you? Honestly, tonight, folks, tonight is about really, really thinking about this. Some of us will be doing exams in a few weeks' time. What we're thinking about, your exams are really important, don't misunderstand me, but the kind of life you and I live for the rest of our lives, however many, for however many years God gives us, is massively important. Are our lives going to be marked by things like kindness and goodness? Or are we going to be marked by selfishness, self-centeredness, self-obsession? Our lives are all about us, basically, nobody else. Are, are people going to see in us one of the kindest people they've ever met, one of the best people they've ever met, one of the most faithful friends they've ever met? Are they going to see in us some of the qualities that people saw in Jesus? And that's why he was called, by way of criticism, the friend of sinners. He was the friend of the prostitutes. He was the friend of the tax collectors. He was the fr friend of the thieves and the robbers. He was the friends of fishermen, friend of fishermen. He was the friend of a woman whom he met at a well who'd had five husbands. He was the friend of people from all kinds of social and religious backgrounds. He was like a magnet to people. And people were impacted on that. You know, we haven't ever met anybody like this before, some of them would say, because they saw in him something different. People traveled miles just to see Jesus and to hear Jesus because they knew he was full of kindness and goodness. In the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verse 38, we read this about Jesus. He went about doing good. Hey, that's not bad. When your friends talk about you and me, what they say about us, she goes about doing good all the time. He goes about doing good. Now, I'm not talking, folks, about being a goody-goody. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about somebody who's genuine and authentic and who's out for others, not for themselves. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? For God was with him. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. So one of the supreme marks of the life of Jesus was goodness. Another was kindness. People saw in him 
something that they'd never seen in anybody else. Are you known in your school, in your university, amongst your group of friends, as somebody who's one of the kindest people these folks have ever met? Because if we are Christians and followers of Jesus, we should have the reputation Jesus had for being a friend of sinners, for being somebody who's helpful, kind, considerate, thinking about others all the time, helping that person in the lecture hall or in our class in school who's maybe a bit awkward, who maybe others aren't talking to. We're the ones who are keeping an eye out for them. Is that the kind of reputation we have? Can I tell you something which I tell to my shame? And it's about something I got completely wrong as a university student and as a Christian. I was in Christian Union in Trinity in Dublin, and there was a young guy I got to know, a student, who, um, if we were ever having anything special in Christian Union, I would go to him and invite him to come along. But he rarely saw me at any other time. Virtually the only time he saw me was when we were having something special in CU and I would go and invite him. And I will never forget one day calling at his rooms, knocking on the door to invite him to something else we were doing in the Christian Union. And I don't know if you've ever had the experience of somebody letting you have it. Well, I can tell you he let me have it. And I can still hear ringing in my head the words he shouted at me with the tears running down his face. He said to me, Fanta Clark, all you care about is my soul. And he was absolutely right. Jesus cared for people's souls, but he also cared for people's bodies. He cared for their emotional needs as well as their physical needs, their mental needs. He cared for the whole person. He was good, he was kind, he was marked by goodness and kindness. I got it completely, completely wrong. And I plead with you, don't make the mistake I did. If you and I want to be full of goodness and kindness like Jesus, we care for the whole person. They don't just see us when there's something we want to invite them to. They see in us someone who's a genuine friend. Basically what I was doing was a horror movie for that guy and I had to apologize. If you're of nervous disposition, you may wish to close your eyes for the next two minutes, okay? Because I just want to show you something that's a real horror movie to illustrate that, you know, there are such things as horror experiences. But as I say, if you're nervous, close your eyes or you have my permission to hold the hand tightly of the person beside you. Because this, this, is, this is Mr. Bean at the horror movies, okay? Let's just listen.
okay? Are you all right? Would you give that wee lad a drink of water there, please? <laughs> Thank you. Horror movie. And sadly, when we're thinking about qualities or flavors of the fruit of the Spirit, like kindness and goodness, there are too many horror stories around because of Christians who've said one thing and then lived a different way. And instead of being marked by kindness and goodness, they've been marked by the opposite. Let me give you just two examples. I remember some years ago at the funeral of a very well-known person, David Irvine, the leader of one of the political parties in Northern Ireland, at the Thanksgiving service for him in East Belfast. I remember listening to the service on the radio and hearing one of his friends say this, I'm not a Christian. I don't know if there is a God or not. But when I look at the lives of some of the people in East Belfast who talk to me about heaven, I don't know if I want to be a Christian. Do you know, when I heard that, I felt ashamed. I really did. Because what he was saying was, when he looks at the lives of some of the Christians, he knows they don't really commend the faith. They're not like Jesus. He sees things that actually are part of that first list in Galatians 5 that are marks of what we call the flesh rather than the spirit. They see the fruits of the flesh. Some years ago, I was involved in a, a large Christian event in a huge conference uh, center in Ireland. And one of the staff told me that before this event, at a briefing for some of the staff, this is what they were told. The event coming up this weekend is a Christian event, so you won't have any trouble with people who have had too much alcohol or drugs but you will find these are among some of the most difficult people we ever have here. When I heard that, I felt ashamed that that's the reputation some Christians would have. It's a horror movie, folks. It really is, and it's not the way God wants it to be because the fruit of the Spirit, as we grow closer to Jesus, as we do what we were singing earlier, go closer and deeper, then we will become more like Jesus and our lives will be marked more and more by qualities like kindness and goodness and faithfulness. I don't know if you know these words from the book of Romans. Paul writing to the Christians in Rome said this, the kindness of God leads you to repentance. The kindness of God leads you to repentance. And so it does. One of the reasons I'm a Christian is because of the cross of Jesus Christ. I have sinned. I have got it so wrong at times. But I see the kindness of God in the death of Jesus on the cross. That he died there for you, for me. The just for the unjust. The righteous for the unrighteous. The clean for the dirty. The pure died for the impure. The sinless died for the sinful. What an act of kindness. What an act of mercy. What amazing grace. And he did it for me. And so his kindness so moved me that I wanted to repent and turn to Christ and live for him. 
And that's the path so many people have walked along to become followers of Jesus. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking at a big missions conference in the States, and I met a couple of friends. There, there were people at that missions conference from over 40 countries in the world. And a year ago, I'd been in Singapore, and some of my friends from Singapore and a couple of bishops were at this conference. Ten of them had come from Singapore to the States. And when I was with them a year ago, the two of the bishops were heading off to Nepal. Has anybody here ever been to Nepal? One. Good man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I didn't know this, but they told me a year ago there were 9,000 Anglicans in Nepal. I said, I, I didn't know that. I had no idea about that. So when I met them this year, just a, two weeks ago, I said to me, I said, how many Anglicans are there? And they said, 12,000. I said, what? I said, a year ago you told me there were 9,000. Now you're telling me there's 12,000. How could this be? Well, they said, the church has grown by 3,000 in the last year. I said, how did that come about? What's this about? What do you... They said, do you remember the, the massive earthquake in Nepal? But he said, what happened after that was the churches that we're linked with were at the forefront of helping people, caring for people, caring for the victims, helping and rebuilding, doing acts of kindness. And because of the kindness that people have seen in the lives of these Christians, many of them have become Christians too. I said, hallelujah, that's wonderful. The acts of kindness have led to repentance. And in another similar situation, a couple of the people who are brand new Christians said this, They'd become Christians because of the kindness of other Christians. And they said this, the Muslims came here and they only helped the Muslims. The Buddhists came here and they only helped the Buddhists. But you Christians came and you helped all of us. We can't get over this. And those words of Romans are exactly right. And Peter in one of his epistles says the same, the kindness of God leads to repentance. And folks, when you and I live lives that are marked by kindness and goodness, just like people see in Jesus, it often leads to repentance because people start saying, hey, what have those folks got? What's going on in that church? What's going on in that Christian union? Scripture, that CE, what's going on there? There's something happening. And they repent and become Christians too. That's the way God wants it to be. That's what happened with Jesus. They saw in Jesus something different. And they repented. Look at Zacchaeus. Look at the woman of Samaria. Look at the 12 disciples. All of them started following Christ because they saw in Jesus kindness, goodness, we have four daughters. One of our daughters, Linda, lives in Nottingham with her husband and their two sons. A couple of years ago, they spent a year in Kenya. And just before they finished, my wife and I went to see them. And they were near Mombasa on the coast of Kenya. And on one of our first days there, we met uh, what they call in Kenya a big mama. And the situation John and Linda and the boys were in was they were helping in an orphanage, a primary school, and a secondary school with about 700 young people in this place. And uh, every day they were with them. They often ate in the orphanage with the orphans who'd been 
brought in from really, really poor backgrounds. Meals, a good meal was cooked every day for all these pupils at the school, 700 of them, in these big, big cauldrons in about 40 degrees. You know, the fire under the, the temperature is really hot to start off with. But here are these, this team of big mamas cooking all this stuff for all these kids. And we met one of the big mamas, Julie is her name. And I said to Julie, oh, this is our daughter, Linda. And this is what she said to me. She said, oh, she's not Linda to me. She is one of God's angels. I said, I don't understand what you mean, Julie. Well, she said, look at my legs. She said, some months ago, my legs were covered in ulcers. They were oozing stuff. And this girl started to visit me every week. We knew nothing about this. Julie, this big mama, lived in a really, really poor place. And every week, Linda went to visit her. She did it after contacting one of her friends in Nottingham, who was a nurse, to tell her what was wrong with Julie's legs and to ask, what can I do? She found out what to do. And every week she went and she put creams or oils or whatever in Julie's legs and got down on her knees to do it and prayed with her. And Julie's legs were so much better. What was going on? An act of kindness, folks. She wasn't blowing the trumpet about it. She wasn't doing it to get her name in the headlines or the magazines. She was doing it because she loves Jesus. An act of kindness. An act of goodness. And look at the impact it had. Folks, I really want you tonight to think about your life. And I've been thinking of mine in preparing for tonight. What acts of kindness are you and I doing every week, every day? acts of goodness. When are we living that we're not thinking first and foremost just about me, ourselves? We're actually thinking about some other people just like Jesus does, thinking about others. Who are the people who are experiencing your acts of kindness and your acts of goodness? Who are the people we're helping who are the people we are encouraging? Who are the people we're standing up for, serving, caring for? Who are they? Are there any? If there aren't, why not? I'm certain this is true. Read the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. God has chosen us to help one another. Ephesians chapter 2, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works will not save us. They will not get us into heaven. But if we claim we're Christians, one of the marks of our lives should be good works. Goodness, kindness. People can see it. Do they? Is that the reputation you and I have? Because if it isn't, that is God's calling on us. We were singing a few minutes ago, and I wrote these words down in that fabulous song, which I hadn't heard before, actually. We sang quite a few times, I want to know your heart. We were singing it to the Lord. Lord, I want to know your heart. Can I tell you what's in the heart of God? You are. People are in the heart of God. 
Jesus came to this earth for people. He didn't come for the walls of Jerusalem. He didn't come for ancient ruins. He came for people. When he died on the cross, he didn't die for cement. He died for people because he loves people. And what's in God's heart is people, people, people. That's what creation was all about, creating a people for himself. That's what the cross is all about. That's what heaven's going to be all about, all about a new community of people gathered around him, serving him, one another. If you and I really want to know what is in God's heart, then we'll be people of kindness and goodness and people of faithfulness. And we'll be people who are obedient. If you forget everything else I say tonight, please, please, please remember this. I wish I'd said it first. The fruit of the Spirit only grows in the garden of obedience. I heard this years ago, and I thought, oh, that is awesome. The fruit of the Spirit only grows in the garden of obedience. If you and I want to have lives, live lives that are marked by kindness and goodness and love and joy and peace and all those flavors of the fruit of the Spirit, then we need to obey Jesus. It's as simple as that. Bad, a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. And if you and I are living lives that are where we're being deliberately disobedient, we know what the Lord wants us to do, but we're refusing to do it. The fruit of the Spirit cannot and will not grow. That fruit will grow and flourish as you and I obey the Lord. Do you remember Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments? One of the ways we express our love for the Lord is by obeying, by obedience. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Obedience opens the door to all kinds of things. God has so much for us if we walk the path of obedience. Now again, let's press the honesty button tonight. Honestly, folks, as you sit here tonight on this last Saturday night in April, almost into May, are you struggling in an area of your life at the moment where you know the Lord wants you to obey and you're holding back? Maybe worse than that, we're actually deliberately disobeying. Could I plead with you this evening? Walk the path of obedience. Because as you do, the fruit of the Holy Spirit will grow. And you will become a kinder person. A better person. A more faithful person. Somebody who's more like Jesus. And so will I. But it's crucial we walk in his will. Outside of his will, the fruit of the Spirit cannot and will not grow. But as we live and walk in that garden of obedience, we will change. And I can tell you, people will see the difference. That is for sure and certain. And then the third of those flavors that we're looking at tonight, faithfulness. I want to be really practical. I hope I have been. I want us to try and think, you know, what does a life look like that is marked by kindness and goodness and faithfulness? He doesn't know I'm going to do this. Gilly, Gilly, would you come up here a wee minute just to help me? I want to ask you a question. 
And if there are paramedics here, you might need to be in call because he doesn't know anything about this. How many years have you been involved with CE? Um, I think it's, I, I'm not exactly sure, 25 and, years. And so. when you get old, it's hard know, to it's remember these brain. things, you know. But, so 25. 25 years. Yeah. And that's, I suspect, a conservative estimate. So are you telling me that for 25 years, you've set aside Saturday nights and other times in your life for this bunch of young people and all those who've gone before them. Is that what you're saying? Um, well, initially I said, what about my own social life? And then I realized I didn't have a social life, <laughs> so it didn't make a big difference. Um, it's, a, it's been life-changing for me. Yeah. It's been a joy. Um, but am I right in assuming, Gilly, that for 25 years you have been devoted to young people in Portadown through Christian Endeavour here on a Saturday night and all the other things that go with it, like teams going off and New Horizon? Is that, have with, I got this with, right? With a great team around me, yeah, and a great bunch. Because I always say that, that we're in this together and that God is here to speak to me tonight mm -hmm. as much as he is to speak to everybody else here tonight. So. It's a very much a, a sense of community uh, in it together, yes. And the faithfulness is, hasn't just been for myself, it's been from a lot of these guys here who come very faithfully and have done that many over many, many years, and others who've moved on to other things throughout the world. Um, do you sense an awful lot of pride and arrogance here? Yeah. Have you noticed that, folks? Don't think so. What I've noticed is humility. And Gilly, I want to say thank you to you because when I was preparing for tonight and thinking of these flavors, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, I thought of you. And folks here, you are privileged to have a visual aid in Gilly Carson of what we're talking about tonight. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying he's Mr. Perfect, okay? He's not. But his life is marked by kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And Gilly, thank you for that. Let's give him a round of applause. Now, Gilly, I could say I'm really sorry for putting you on the spot tonight, but I'm not going to say that because I'd be telling a lie. <laughs> I, I want to thank you for sharing what you did, and I do want to thank you for living out some of these qualities, flavors that we're looking at tonight. Because you see, Gilly and other team leaders here, they could be doing a whole lot of other things on a Saturday night. They could be doing a whole lot of other things in the summertime when they take... 100 young folks from Portadown to New Horizon. They could be choosing to do 50 other things, but they choose to give themselves to the Lord and to you. Why? Because they love you. And why do they love you? Well, it's because they love Jesus. And they're seeking to live lives that are marked by faithfulness. They want to stick at this. You know, Gilly didn't do this for a few weeks and then say, ah, forget it. He stuck at it. And I guarantee there have been times when it wasn't easy. You know, I thank God for people like Gilly who invested in me when I was your age as a teenager. I remember being at a scripture union weekend one time 
And honestly, I, I regret it now because at three o'clock in the morning, I was given one of the leaders an awful time. He couldn't sleep because I was raking around the place at three in the morning. And I regret it now. But he was patient with me. He stuck with me. And we made it through. And thank God for Christians whose lives are marked by faithfulness. God calls us to something and we stick at it. Do you remember the motorcyclist at the beginning in that little video? He could have given up, but he didn't. He hung on to the bike and he finished the race. He finished it on his knees beside the bike, but at least he finished it. He could have opted out, but he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. And this is the kind of faithfulness <clears throat> that Paul is talking about here to the Galatians. It's about being full of faith. You can see it here. Strong or firm in one's belief. Loyal constant. So it's about this kind of loyalty and sticking out of things, stickability. There's a good word for the kind of faithfulness that's being talked about here. We're not kind of blow, blowing hot and cold, you know, we'll be all for it this week and then we'll forget about it for six months. No, we're going to stick at working out God's call on our lives for his glory and for the blessing of the people he has called us, excuse me, to work with. Just watch this as an incredible example, I think. He moved us, a little boy so determined to stay in the race, even when it looked like he couldn't make it any further. Timers, I'm gonna just say go, you ready? It was race day at Colonial Hills Elementary School near Columbus, Ohio. Go! They were off, and right there at the back of the pack, 11-year-old Matt Woodrum determined to run with the rest of the class. Go, Maddie! But it wasn't long before Matt was trailing a bit. He had cerebral palsy and was told he didn't have to run that race, that he could sit it out. But Matt wanted it. Making his way around that track, his proud mom videotaping the whole thing. Suddenly, Matt starts to slow down, starts to struggle. And watch the left corner of your screen. Right there, that's gym teacher John Blaine walking toward Matt on the field. Soon, some gentle coaching right by his side. That gym teacher would stay right there the rest of the race, and then something else. Suddenly, his classmates begin to notice, and one by one, they start making their way toward Matt, too. The crowd is swelling beside him, and so does their chant. Matt rounding that final bend, his entire class in tow, every step of the way, then his rally. Teachers watching at the end, the cheers at the finish line. He did it. Afterward, his mother could hardly find him in the midst of all of his fans. A high five there and a hug. That race now going viral on the internet, and Matt told me just today on the phone what that moment was like when that entire class was behind him. It was tiring, but it really helped when my classmates and my coach and everybody swarmed me. It was really encouraging. Mom, who was there taping it all, and Dad, who saw it later, both so proud tonight. I couldn't have been more proud of my son. It was very heartwarming. Dad proud and so are we. And in fact, Matt told me if he had to race all again tomorrow, he would do it for sure. 808,000 hits now on that video on the internet. Isn't that incredible? Matt suffering from cerebral palsy, but he's determined to run in the race like all his fellow pupils. And he does it. He does it. And he sticks at it. Faithfulness, faithfulness, 
seeing it right through to the end. And folks, that's what the Lord has called you and me to. We may run with a limp. We may stumble at times. But the Lord wants us in the power of his Holy Spirit to keep running in the race, to be marked by kindness and goodness and faithfulness. Did you notice what his coach and his friends did? They showed kindness and goodness. They cheered him on. Come on, Matty boy! And did you see how he told them that really helped him to keep going? And the Lord has called you and me to cheer others on, folks, to help each other. We're all strugglers. We need each other. So let's help each other to grow in the Christian life, to go deeper with the Lord, to grow closer to him, to be kinder, to be better, to be more Jesus-like people, people who make an impact. Let me finish with two final slides, and let me put it like this. For the rest of your life, and for the rest of my life, you and I can be like a magnet, or we can be like a mosquito. This man's back, he was attacked by a swarm of mosquitoes. Do you see what they've done to him? Can you just imagine how itchy, how sore that is? Nipping him, biting him, just like some people do in life. They spend their lives biting other people, nipping other people, criticizing other people, being jealous of other people, hating other people, writing other people off, dividing people, starting fights, and on and on. Dividing families, on and on I can go. There are people who live like that. But there are people who are like a magnet as well. Just like Jesus, the friend of sinners. He was like a magnet to people. He drew people in. They find healing. They find forgiveness. They find friendship. They find hope. They find a brand new start. They find a new life when they find Jesus. And for the rest of your life and the rest of mine, you and I can be people who are filled with the fruit of the Spirit. And we can be like magnets drawing others into the kingdom, bringing them to Jesus, just like Andrew brought his brother Simon, Peter, to Jesus. We can do that. And that's what will happen, folks, if you and I commit ourselves to obeying Christ, to living in the garden of obedience, to acts of kindness, deeds of goodness, and living lives marked by faithfulness. We can change the world, folks, by one random act of kindness at a time, just like Jesus did. So I want to challenge you tonight, and I challenge myself to commit ourselves here tonight that we're going to be like magnets. We're not going to be like mosquitoes, harming people, hurting people. And remember the size of a mosquito. You don't have to be an elephant to hurt people. A mosquito's a tiny wee thing. Look at the damage it can do. Look at his back. But we're going to commit ourselves to be magnetic people like Jesus who point people to a different way and help them find heaven and find the Lord by living lives of faithfulness marked by acts of kindness and goodness. Are you up for it? We want to cheer others on just like that coach and those pupils in the school cheered on Matty Boy. Let's become cheers, cheerers, cheering others on. Let's just pray.
And I want to just have a few moments of silence so that each of us can pray our own prayer to the Lord. Whatever it is the Lord has challenged you about tonight, please turn that into prayer now. If, there, if there's something we need to confess, some sin that we know we've been flirting with, that we, it's been disobedience in our lives, let's get rid of that tonight and say, Lord, I, I'm going to turn my back on that and I'm going to live your way. Or maybe we know we've been living lives that, are just been, that have been so selfish. But after tonight, we want to live like Jesus and live lives of kindness and goodness and faithfulness. Let's say that to the Lord. Let's do business with the Lord now as we pray. Lord Jesus, we cannot thank you enough for your kindness and goodness and your total faithfulness. Please help each one of us in the power of your Holy Spirit to be more like you. And whether it's at school or in university or in our places of work or in our families or at with our friends, wherever it is, Lord. May the fruit of the Spirit grow in us. And use us as people who are magnets, people who are going to change the world for you, Lord. Take us, Lord Jesus, and use us as you will. And may our hearts be filled with what fills your heart. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.